Hey bookworms, it's Bailey. Today we're going to continue reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, well, let's go. Chapter 12, Peter's First Battle While the dwarf and the white witch were saying this, miles away, the beaver and the children were walking on hour after hour into what seemed a delicious dream. Long ago, they had left the coats behind them, and by now, they had even stopped saying to one another, Look, there's a kingfisher, or I say bluebells, or what was that lovely smell, or just listen to that thrush. They walked on in silence drinking it all in, passing through patches of warm sunlight into cool green thickets, and out of them again into wide mossy glades, where tall elms raised the leafy roof far overhead, and in them to dense masses of flowering currant, and among hawthorn bushes, where the sweet smell was almost overpowering. They had been just as surprised as Edmund, when they saw the winter vanishing and the whole wood passing in a few hours or so, from January to May. They hadn't even known for certain, as the witch did, what this was, what would happen when Aslan came to Narnia. But they all knew that it was her spells which had produced the endless winter, and therefore they all knew that when this magic spring began, began that something had gone wrong and badly wrong with the witch's schemes and after the thaw had been going on for some time they all realized that the witch would no longer be able to use her sledge after that they didn't hurry so much and they allowed themselves more rests and longer ones they were pretty tired by now of course but not what i call bitterly tired only slow and feeling very dreamy and quiet inside as one does when one is coming to the end of a long day in the open. Susan had a slight blister on one heel. They had left the course of the big river some time ago, for one had to turn a little to the right, that meant turn a little to the south, to reach the place of the stone table. Even if this had not been their way, they couldn't have kept to the river valley once the thaw began, for with all that melting snow, the river was soon in flood. A wonderful, roaring, thundering yellow flood, and their path would have soon been underwater. And now the sun got low and light, and light got redder, and the shadows got longer, and the flowers began to think about closing. Not long now, said Mr. Beaver, and began leading them uphill across some very deep springing moss. It felt nice under their tired feet, in a place where only tall trees grew very wide apart. The climb, coming at the end of the long day, made them all pant and blow, and just as Lucy was wondering whether she could really get to the top without another long rest, suddenly they were at the top, and this is what they saw. They were on a green open space from which you could look down on the forest spreading as far as one could see in every direction, except right ahead. There, far to the east, was something twinkling and moving, by gum, Peter whispered to Susan, the sea. In the very middle of this open hilltop was the gray table, the stone table. It was a great grim slab of gray stone supported on four upright stones. It looked very old and was cut all over with strange lines and figures that 
might be the letters of an unknown language. They gave you a curious feeling when you looked at them. The next thing they saw was a pavilion pitched on one side of an open place. A wonderful pavilion it was, and especially now when the light of the sun fell upon it with the sides of what looked like yellow silk and cores of crimson and tent pegs of ivory, and high above it on a pole a banner, which bore a red rampant lion, fluttered in the breeze which was blowing in their faces from the far-off sea. While they were looking at this, they heard a sound of music on their right, and turning in that direction, they saw what they had come to see. Aslan stood in the center of the crowd of creatures who had grouped themselves around him in the shape of a half-moon. There were tree women and there were well women, dryads and naiads, who, as they used to be called in our world, had string instruments, and it was they who had made the music. There were four great centaurs. The horse part of them was like huge English farm horses, and the man part of them was like stern but beautiful giants. There were also there was also a unicorn and a bull with the head of a man, and a pelican, and an eagle, and a great dog. And next to Avalon stood two leopards, of whom one carried his crown and the other his standard. But as for Aslan himself, beavers and the children didn't know what to do or say when they saw him. People who have not been in Narnia sometimes think that a thing cannot be good and terrible at the same time. If the children had ever thought so, they were cured of it now. For when they tried to look at Aslan's face, they caught a glimpse of the golden mane and the great royal solemn overwhelming eyes and they found that they couldn't look at him, and went all trembly. Hey, bookworms! Let's take a quick break from the book so I can tell you about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast from your phone or computer. Anchor distributes podcasts for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. I make and publish my episodes with Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, back to the book. Go on, whispered Mr. Beaver. No, whispered Peter. You first. No, sons of Adam before animals, whispered Mr. Beaver back again. Susan, whispered Peter. What about you? Ladies first. No, you're the eldest, whispered Susan. And of course, the longer they went on doing this, the more awkward they felt. Then at last, Peter realized that it was up to him. He drew his sword and raised it to the statue and hastily saying to the others, come on, pull yourselves together, as he advanced to the lion and said, we have come, Aslan. Welcome, Peter, son of Adam, said Aslan. Welcome, Susan and Lucy, daughters of Eve. Welcome, he-beaver and she-beaver. His voice was deep and rich and somehow took the fidgets out of them. They now felt glad and quiet. It didn't seem awkward to them to stand and say nothing. But where is the fourth? asked Aslan. He has tried to betray them and join the white witch, O Aslan, said Mr. Beaver. And then something made Peter say, that was partly my fault, Aslan. I was angry with him, and I think that helped him to go wrong. And Aslan said nothing, either to excuse Peter or to blame him, 
but merely stood looking at him with his great golden eyes, and it seemed to all of them that there was nothing to be said. Please, Aslan, can anything be done to save Edmund? All shall be done, said Aslan, but it may be harder than you think. And then he was silent again for some time. Up to that moment, Lucy had been thinking how royal and strong and peaceful his face looked. Now it suddenly came into her head that he looked sad as well. But next minute, that expression was quite gone. The lion shook his mane and clapped his paws together. Terrible paws, thought, thought Lucy. If he didn't know how to velvet them, and said, Meanwhile, let the feast be prepared. Ladies, take these daughters of Eve to the pavilion and minister to them. Once the girls had gone, Aslan laid his paws, laid his paw, and though it was velveted, it was very heavy, on Peter's shoulder and said, Come, son of Adam, I will show you a far-off sight of the castle, where you are to be king. And Peter, with his sword still drawn in his hand, went with the lion to the eastern edge of the hilltop. There was a beautiful sight met their eyes. The sun was setting behind their backs. That meant that the whole country below them lay in the evening light forest and hills and valley and winding away like a silver snake the lower part of the great river and beyond all this miles away was the sea and just beyond the sea the sky full of clouds which were just turning rose color with the reflection of the sunset but where the land of narnia met the sea in fact at the mouth of the great river there was something on a little hill shining it was shining because it was a castle, and of course, the sunlight reflected from all the windows, which looked towards Peter at, at the sunset. But to Peter, it looked like a great star resting on the seashore. That, O oh man, said Aslan, is Care Paravel of the Thor Four Thrones, in which you must sit as king. I show it to you because you were the firstborn, and you will be high king over all the rest. Once more, Peter said nothing, for at that moment, it was a strange noise, woke the silence, and suddenly, it was like a bugle, but richer. It is your sister's horn, said Aslan to Peter, in a low voice, so low as to be almost a purr, if it is not disrespectful to think of a lion purr. For a moment, Peter did not understand, but when he saw all the other creatures start forward and he heard Aslan say with a wave of his paw back let the prince win his spurs he did understand and set off running as hard as he could toward the pavilion and then he saw a dreadful sight the naiads and dryads were scattering in every direction Lucy was running towards him as fast as her short legs could carry her and her face as white, white as paper then he saw Susan make a dash for a tree and swing herself up, followed by a huge gray beast. At first, Peter thought it was a bear, but then he saw that it looked like an Alistian. Yeah, <laughs> though it was too far too big to be a dog. Then he realized that it was a wolf, a wolf standing on his hind legs, with its front paws against the tree trunk, snapping and snarling. All the hair on its back stood up and, and on end. Susan had not been able to get on higher than the second big branch. One of her legs hung so far down that her foot was only an inch or two above the snapping teeth. Peter wondered why 
she did not get higher, at, or at least take a better grip. Then he realized that she was going to faint, and if she fainted, she would fall off. See, Peter did not feel very brave indeed. He felt like he was going to be sick. But, he, but that made no difference to what he had to do. He rushed straight up to the monster and aimed a slash of his sword at its side. The stroke never reached the wolf. Quick as lightning, it turned round, its eyes flaming, and its mouth wide, and opened in a howl of anger. If it had not been so angry that it simply had to howl, it would have gone through him by the throat at once. It, it, as it was, though, this was happening too quickly for Peter to think at all. He had just time to duck down and plunge his sword as hard as he could between the brute's forelegs and its heart. Then came a horrible, confused moment, like something in a nightmare. He was tugging and pulling, and the wolf seemed neither alive nor dead, and it bared it and its bared teeth knocked against his forehead, and everything was blood and heat and hair. A moment later, he found that the monster lay dead, and he had drawn his sword out of it. He was straightening his back and rubbing the sweat off his face out of his eyes. He felt tired all over. Sorry. Then, after a bit, Susan came down the tree. She and Peter felt pretty shaky when they met, and I won't say... There wasn't kissing and crying on both sides, but in Narnia, no one thinks any worse of you for that. Quick, quick, shouted the voice of Aslan. Centaurs, eagles, I see another wolf in the thickets. There, behind you. He had just darted away. After him, all of you. Sorry. I'm sorry. There, He will be going to his mistress. Now is your chance to find the witch and rescue the fourth son of Adam. And instantly, with the thunder of hooves and beating of wings, a dozen or so of the swiftest centaurs disappeared into the gathering darkness. Peter, still out of breath, turned and saw Aslan close at hand. You have forgotten to clean your sword, said Aslan. It was true. Peter blushed when he saw the bright blade was smeared with wolf's hair and blood. He stooped down and wiped it clean on the grass, and then wiped it dry on his coat. Hand it to me and kneel, son of Adam, said Aslan. When, Peel had when Peter had done so, he stuck him with the flat of the blade and said, Rise up, Sir, Petus Fenris Sir Peter Fenris Bane, and whatever happens, never forget to wipe your sword. Thanks for listening, bookworms. I hope you join me next time, where we will still continue reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. Have a great day. Bye!